welcome to the Point of Care Ultrasound Certification Academy podcast, where we focus on POCUS. Here, we will discuss all things related to Point of Care Ultrasound, the practice, the trends, and its impact on healthcare. Our program will engage thought leaders who are defining global patient care with the stethoscope of the future. James Day, recording live from the Focus on Pocus studios. And today we have Eli Jaffa, MD, as our honored guest. An emergency physician currently working at Duke University Hospital in Durham, North Carolina. He grew up in Rhode Island and attended Brown University for undergrad. While there, he joined the fencing team, which is how he met the beautiful woman who would eventually become his wife. He finally left Rhode Island after graduating college and made his way to Cleveland to attend medical school at Case Western, after which he packed up his bags once more and drove down to North Carolina for an emergency medicine residency. Since starting at Duke, he has undergone multiple life-changing transitions, helping to start an ultrasound fellowship and becoming the first fellow of the program, eventually becoming the assistant director of emergency ultrasound at Duke, finding an unexpected passion for global POCUS education during a trip to a hospital in northern Tanzania, finding his way back to his roots as a total tech nerd, which has also led him to create an open-source system for a very low-cost tele-ultrasound, and most importantly, becoming a father and soon-to-be father of two. And most recently, the combination of all his diverse interests has led him to start a POCUS consulting firm with a residency classmate, of which they hope to eventually provide solutions for, to a variety of needs and they believe exists in the intersection between technology, education, healthcare, community medicine, and global health. Oh, my gosh, where's your cape at? This is incredible. <laughs> Still in the closet currently. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite a story, quite a story. And uh, I always like ER physicians because that's such a fun place to work. It really fundamentally is, yeah. There's never a dull day, even the dull ones. Yes, it's like the great leveler of society. Uh, bed one is a homeless guy. Bed two is maybe a, a trust fund matriarch. And they all are living side by side together. <laughs> yep. It's an amazing world. <laughs> you know what? It is. It is. And you got an amazing career and trajectory right there already. Wow. Um, some really cool stuff. And we'll get to. So I guess exactly why, why are you such a POCUS fanatic? Um. So I came to emergency medicine and ultrasound fairly late in the game as far as uh, medical careers are, uh, go. Mm. So I was I was initially on the trajectory to be uh, a pediatric neurosurgeon about almost through my third year of medical school, actually. Um, uh, you know, I was in the LRs with them every Thursday morning. I was doing research with them. I was like every, every indication, basically. Um, and then a couple of things happened later in, in the third year that, uh, that led me down the road uh, to emergency medicine. And it honestly was one of the best choices that I've ever made. Um, and since, since residency, uh, one, of the, you know, one of the reasons that I, I really fell in love with emergency medicine was I, I never wanted to be that doctor who, uh, when someone calls out for a doctor on an airplane, like kind of slides down in his chair and, and doesn't raise his hand because like, Oh no, I'm a psychiatrist and that guy's having a heart attack <laughs> in an EKG in 10 years. You know, yeah. I really want yeah. to be that person who, who, you know, kind of follows the philosophy of EM, which is any patient, anytime, any circumstances, anywhere. Um, and so 
you know, in a lot of ways, everything I've done in the last few years, uh, as far as, you know, acquiring skills and, and, and learning new, uh, new subject matter has really been to, uh, to enhance my ability to take care of someone despite being the only human being in the room. Um, so, you know, that involves starting my own lines, drawing blood, uh, putting people on the monitor, you know, doing all kinds of procedures, starting my own, uh, uh, A-line setups, and fundamentally at its at its core, point of care ultrasound is really it's a skill and a technique and uh, and a whole ecosystem that's designed to to allow one clinician the ability to to just vastly expand their diagnostic capabilities in real time at the bedside. So now I can also function as like essentially my, my own radiology department, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it just, it, it gets me that much closer to the physician I would like to be at some point in my life, which is, you know, that, that, uh, that triple threat, you know what I mean? The, the person who can, you know, if I pull up on the side of the road and somebody's in distress or somebody got in a car wreck or somebody's, you know, having a cardiac arrest on the side of the road, I can do all those things and don't have to rely on, on anyone else. Because believe it or not, that happens more often than I care to admit, you know, really? I wow. end up in the room and I can't, I can't find a tech, I can't find a nurse, I can't find a resident. And I'm just like, well, this person's doing poorly. I need to do something. And so I just start doing the things. Um, and the more and more I do that, the more skills that I acquire, the more I feel confident and able to do those things. And point of care ultrasound is just like probably the highest, uh, utility tool that I've found, uh, that gets me towards that end. So I want to look in your glove box of your car. What do you have? A respiratory bag in there or a, a, a butterfly <laughs> so, or get the whole thing? Yeah. Right? I, I, I called it my oh shit kit to, to, uh, <laughs> to excuse the French. Yeah. Um, when my wife was pregnant the first time, that's what I had in my, my trunk. So I have PPE as far as like gloves and like breath, uh, breathing shields. Um, I've got a Lorenz scope with a Mac four blade nice. uh, and, a, and a functioning light. I've got ET tubes. Um, I've got IV supplies and, and IV needles, which I've recently found out is uh, probably technically illegal in North Carolina. So I may have to just go ahead and get rid of those things. Um, <laughs> well, listen, I'm but, glad uh, you left the, uh, this is good for humanity that you left a controlled environment that you were heading down in year three to a chaotic environment, the world at large in the ER. Very much so, yeah. And the, the the cherry on top of the cake ended up being uh, at the time my Lumify probe, which has I've since transitioned into a butterfly, just because it's a little bit more versatile in that way. Um, so yeah, and, uh, it's kind of the uh, the end all be all of, of bug out bags for sure. As far yeah, as concerned. And I got a a butterfly and attached to a tablet. I, I really love it. It's just so cool. I feel like Batman oh, with a sure. utility belt. You know, it's I, very cool. kind of a little bit. Yeah. So. Um, Talking about POCUS in general, do uh, have you see any next big steps in innovation for POCUS? Or yeah, I um, I am in one of those fairly unique situations in that, uh, like you mentioned, I'm a complete tech head, um, mm-hmm. which probably started when I was in, I want to say middle school when I dissected my first computer, um, taught myself how to program in like sixth grade. And then kind of lost it for a while. And then once the once the fog of of residency cleared, I, I realized I had lost three years of my life, both physically and also I couldn't actually remember most of them um, <laughs> after the fact, which was a little bit of a weird experience. But um, once I had a little bit more brain space and energy and time 
to devote to things other than just learning medicine. Um, I found my way back to kind of my hardcore tech roots, started doing a lot more programming and, and device development. Um, and I, that's kind of how I found myself in the, um, in the portable handheld ultrasound world and ended up uh, at one time carrying like $12,000 worth of ultrasound technology in my backpack with between my Lumify, uh, my butterfly, my iPhone and my Android uh, phone. Um, wow. So that was a weird experience, but because of that interest and because of those, uh, those experiences, I've kind of had that, that really unique insight into, into the developing technology uh, that we're seeing proliferate more and more into the field of point of care ultrasound. So um, all that is a very big lead up to, uh, to the answer to your question, which um, are two things that I think have, have declared themselves as like the next big thing of point of care ultrasound. Nice. Which, Lay it on um, the, like to know. Yeah. So the, the, the first big thing I think is going to happen is the more obvious one, I think, which is the machine learning aspect. Um, something that we're starting to see actually in commercial applications uh, the GE venue, for example, has automated uh, aortic outflow tract VTI and tracking of that VTI over time. So you can get real-time machine-directed and machine-quality-assured uh, measurements of, of actual cardiac outflow um, or cardiac output, sorry, um, uh, from a point-of-care ultrasound machine non-invasively, uh, it'll do automatic um, IVC collapsibility index measurements and then track it over time so you can actually document your uh, your resuscitative efforts and uh, do so with basically just purely machine guidance. I mean, the, the algorithms are not there yet in terms of being so reliable that they're actually idiot-proof, but I think they're going to get there in the next 10 or 15 years, and that's when we're really going to see some major gains in, um, in the, just the, the vast capabilities of, of an idiot with an ultrasound, essentially, which is what I am fundamentally most of the time, I think. Um, Somehow I find but, that you know, hard to believe, but I will say, so you're talking about... <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about sort of a miniature AI that's tracking metrics. So like LV outflow track, how much is uh, being ejected and then the collapsibility of the IVC over time that's tracked. That's interesting. Correct. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and butterfly just demoed at um, RSNA. They demoed their automated, their automatic um, uh, left ventricular ejection fraction algorithms. Mm. Um, and they're, they're demoing how, how they can use, uh, a tracking cube on the top of the probe to get uh, positional data and then analysis of the image itself that it's producing and guide the user automatically through AI to get a better image of, say, um, a you know, personal left, sorry, wow. personal long axis, um, which is a pretty impressive uh, move by them. Um, so what happens a, to... I'm sorry. What happens to us? No, what, what happens, happens to, to all the, the eyeballing cardiologists for the EF? Yeah, so they've, it's, it's bizarre, right? Yeah, they've, yeah. Been, they've been very resistant to many things, and I, I definitely get that. I've gotten into conversations, and I'll call them conversations rather than what they are, which is probably arguments or shouting matches on Twitter, yeah. um, with like people in cardiology and, and even emergency docs who, who feel threatened by the new technologies that we're seeing. And instead of adapting to the to the writing that we clearly see on the wall in a lot of ways i've seen a lot of people uh react by basically rigging the game against the newcomer and just saying well this is this is not going to be a thing because it makes me obsolete so I'm, because i'm in a position of power i'm going to try to 
try to do whatever I can to make sure I stay relevant rather than trying to keep up with what we see is, is becoming hmm. the next big thing. So um, I think un- ultimately uh, technology that improves the care of the patient will win out. It'll just take a little bit of time to kind of break through that, that just fundamentally built in uh, momentum uh, that is just inherent in the medical, uh, the medical system in a lot sure. of ways. Um, yeah. And then along those lines, you know, something, some other innovations that we've seen, especially with the, those two platforms, which are the ones I have the most experience with, but are also kind of at the forefront of the field, um, the Lumify pairing up with React um, and Butterfly's native live streaming capabilities. I think tele-ultrasound is going to be a huge deal. Um, the focus, as far as I've seen it, primarily has been on clinical utilities. So basically putting a probe into the hands of a novice user somewhere in the world and then having a, uh, an imaging expert on the other end of the line, basically guiding that person to get better images and, and interpreting them in real time. But I think that's an unsustainable endpoint. I think that ends up doing these. It, it doesn't change the status quo, which is that we have this, this super concentration of, of uh, content experts in geographic areas and everything we do in terms of global health, like by and large, at least the, the small portion of that field that I've seen um, tends to be uh, just reinforcing that paradigm, unfortunately. And that's, and that's a tragedy fundamentally, I think. Um, and I think really we're only going to see change uh, in the way that it should be seen when we start building sustainable projects where, where the focus is on educating the local uh, physicians and caregivers and then allowing them to become the experts and training the trainers. And I think tele-ultrasound in a lot of ways is going to facilitate that kind of long, uh, uh, that, um, that longitudinal education. Uh, and that's, that, that's what we've seen just more, uh, more and more regularly. We've, we've seen in the literature that, that continued input, that continued educational process over time uh, is the basically the only thing that can sustain, uh, truly sustain these kind of educational uh, outreach projects and, and can build local expertise that then spreads from there and they can become the regional experts and then those regional experts train the local experts and then that just kind of filters out into the community until, you know, the, the, the fundamental structure is there in place and can't be moved. Oh, wow. That's... Um... It's a well-rounded approach to that. I know I, the, most of the <laughs> tele-ultrasound that I've heard of is, say, someone's in, you know, a, in the field in Africa and they're doing a OB scan and it's being, you know, telecommuted all the way to the Nigerian hospital where a radiologist or a physician capable of reading reads them and tells them to do a couple of moves, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what I'm interested in talking to you, I want to get more into your tech nerd side because you're you're, you're really talented in that, and uh, I just wanted to talk about maybe you could speak to your live streaming platform for facilitating uh, the tele ultrasound since we're on that topic. Yeah, absolutely. So that um, that's kind of why I'm so interested in it. So I, I uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier, I had the the very good fortune of being friends with kind of the local global health guru at Duke. Um, we have a very tight uh, relationship with a hospital in Northern Tanzania called uh, KCMC, which is Kilimanjaro Christian Medical Center. Um, there is exactly at the moment one 
uh, residency trained emergency physician in the entire northern zone of Tanzania. Wow. Um, yeah, a guy named Francis Sakita, who is just one of the most wonderful and talented and bright folks that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Um, so I managed to uh, take about two weeks off uh, just after the end of fellowship. Uh, so 2017, uh, end of February, beginning of March or so. Um, I was there for two weeks and just basically taking in the, taking in the sites. I talked uh, with my friend about uh, doing some kind of long-term collaboration to to help teach ultrasound to the docs there. Uh, and by and large, most of them are rotating interns or they are registrars. Um, so basically folks who've done the five-year medical school there and then done a year of internship, which just basically rotates through uh, a bunch of services in the hospital. And then they just start working as attendings in the emergency department. And uh, I can tell you, having, having been there, it is a fundamentally different experience than being a doctor in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, or anywhere else kind of in the developed world. For the most part, it's um, the, the pathologies they, they encounter and, and are expected to deal with, the, uh, the social situations, the, the, the resource constraints, all of it just makes being a, a healthcare provider very, very difficult, and they, they rise to that occasion marvelously. Um, and it was a very interesting experience teaching uh, point-of-care ultrasound there. I mean, it was basically like the, a teacher's dream. It was everything I had hoped education would be. It's taking a group of highly educated, very bright, and very motivated individuals and then just expanding their skill set to something that I was a bit of a content expert on. But, you know, the milieu I was working with was so rich and was so so good already that it, it was a very easy kind of educational experience for me as far as teaching because I didn't really have to do a whole lot. I just had to kind of transfer my information from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got back, uh, I stayed in touch with a lot of my friends there and, you know, we would text back and forth. They'd tell me about some cases and they'd uh, either text me some images or uh, a couple of times they would uh, call me up on a video chat on WhatsApp and, uh, you know, show me the video, the, uh, the, the screen live uh, over the video feed uh, while they were doing the case and I would kind of give them feedback or I would, I would um, help them interpret the images. And if the pathology was any less horrifying, like it would have been really difficult to figure out what they were doing because, you know, it's, it's a crummy cell phone over a, over a slowish internet connection from, you know, several thousand miles away in a brightly lit room with a dusty screen. And like, that's not a particularly conducive way of, of transmitting images. And all I could think was, man, I mean, if only I could get source images off that machine, that would be amazing. And the Lumify React uh, duo had just come out and I'd been playing around with that live streaming uh, for a little while. And that was my first thought was, you know, that would be a really helpful tool in order to do this kind of educational work with them and to help them improve their skills. But, uh, you know, that requires a $12,000 brand new uh, top of the line pocket ultrasound probe paired with a fairly advanced uh, Android phone or tablet, which is not a cheap device. Um, that's going to be really hard for a Tanzanian physician to afford, you know, who's making $384 per month. It's mm-hmm. just not going to be tenable. And so, um, I've been working with a, a colleague of mine uh, over the last few years doing research with his, uh, with his platform, which is actually a novel way of, of creating uh, 3D image volumes from like a standard 2D ultrasound uh, system. And basically the, the, the very dumbed down version of how he does it is he just hijacks the video output from a standard ultrasound machine through um, like an HDMI uh, output 
and then feeds it into a computer through a screen grabber that he bought commercially for like 300 bucks. And it just reproduces the images live on the, on the computer. And then he, he just captures those and, and then feeds it into his algorithm to create the 3d, uh, volumes. And I thought to myself, you know, that's a great idea, but why, you know, instead of, instead of using those to, to augment the images with the computer, let's just put it on a modem and send those images directly. But then again, like, again, you're, you're faced with this like $300 screen grabber that doesn't really fit with the whole idea of sending it to a resource poor location and, and utilizing it in high volume. And so I started diving into the rabbit hole and uh, found myself back at a project that I've worked with in the past for doing kind of very superficial things. Um, it's the mm-hmm. Raspberry Pi system. So for those who don't know what that is, it's basically a single board computer. It's about the size of a credit card. Um, the most expensive one is is $35 and it goes all the way down to about $10 for one that has native uh, equipped uh, with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth capabilities. And uh, you can, the whole system is embedded in that one little system for, for 30 bucks. Um, and they're actually pretty powerful. And one of the best things they do is output uh, high-definition video. They made a very deliberate choice to, to uh, work with that functionality and make it super cheap. And so uh, what I basically ended up doing was creating a system that utilizes that card, uh, takes the video output from a standard ultrasound machine, whether that's S-Video or composite video, and I've actually rigged up a system that does VGA as well, um, encodes it into a digital format and streams it to a server that can be viewed in any um, web browser, basically, uh, through a website. So so they can do these scans, press a button, starts live streaming, and about six seconds later, I start seeing the image uh, live on my screen on a computer in, in the U.S. Um, and and that, that was the, the basis of that project, and it's kind of evolved from there, and I've made some, uh, some pretty significant improvements, and it's been a really interesting uh, experience. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, that sounds like your big-picture pie-in-the-sky dream right there. That's the basis of it. Um, the, the, real, the real end point of that, and that's, that I think is a, is a, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. It's a starting point, mm-hmm. but ultimately the thing that I want to use that to build towards, um, the more I, the more I talk to folks at APCA and, um, and hear about the, the mission and, and really dig into like the roots of what the organization is about. Uh, the more I realize that like our, our fundamental dreams are essentially the same thing. Like what I envision in the future is basically, a, a, this global connected group of people who are just, enthusiastic learners and educators in point of care ultrasound and have access to this system that is a low cost, easy to use system. And it basically, all it does is it just removes geography as a barrier to education in ultrasound. Um, you know, whether that's just uploading your, your scans to a system and connecting with a mentor who doesn't have to physically be there, but can reliably give you feedback on your scans and help you get essentially like credential level, um, in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of your scanning, in terms of your image interpretation. Um, and, you know, part of the inspiration for that has just been my experience on Twitter and seeing how enthusiastic and excited people are about point of care ultrasound oh, yeah. online and people post cases and, and the, the discussion threads are just like pages long of this incredible open access medical education content. And it's just, it's insane how much you can learn sitting on the toilet at 3 a.m. Yeah, it's really disruptive. You know, it's really yeah. awesome. 
it's fantastic. So that's that's my goal. Yeah. It's so different than the old auditorium where you had you know the the yep. guy with the antelope suede patches and the herringbone coat, you know, <laughs> pontificating to a didactic lecture that went on for hours. It's so much more engaging, sure, and, yeah. and the skill Very set's valuable. happening. So yep, uh, it really is, and it's building itself. Dr. Jaffa, hey, wow, thanks for taking the time to be here on today's show. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Very impressive, interesting stuff. For sure. And uh, we appreciate the audience for listening in today, and, and don't forget that for even more POCUS Talk, you can follow us on Twitter at POCUS Academy and on Facebook at POCUS Cert Academy and on MySpace. Just kidding. MySpace is, uh, is gone forever, folks. Um, I just threw that out because you're such a tech nerd. And... Uh, single tear rolling down my face Eli Jaffa it was an honor to have you on our podcast today and thank you absolute honor being here thanks so much for having me good luck to you man bye bye thank you sir we hope you enjoyed today's podcast focus on pocus Be sure to tune in with us next week for more interviews with thought leaders that are on the forefront of global point-of-care ultrasound. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests and not those of Intellios. This podcast is for information purposes only.